This is a production of WEDU-PBS, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Sarasota. Next on WEDU, Hillsborough County's elected state attorney sues Governor DeSantis over limiting his freedom to speak. The race between Charlie Crist and Nikki Freed for the Democratic nomination for governor is getting more bitter as we near Election Day. A 16-year-old in North Florida is denied the right to an abortion. And our panel members will tell us which down-ballot race they are watching most closely in Tuesday's elections. All coming up right now on Florida This Week. Welcome back. This week, our panelists are Rochelle Reback is a retired criminal defense and civil rights lawyer and a Democrat. Tremel Gomes is a journalist and president of Gomes Media Strategies. Adam Goodman is the Edward R. Murrow Fellow at Tufts University, a political consultant and a Republican. And Mitch Perry is a political reporter for Spectrum Bay News 9. Nice to see all of you. Thank you for coming on the program. On Thursday, Hillsborough's elected state attorney, Andrew Warren, who was suspended by the governor just over two weeks ago, sued the governor in federal court. In his order removing Warren at the beginning of this month, Governor DeSantis accused the state attorney of neglect of duty and incompetence. According to the governor, Warren was eroding the rule of law, encouraging lawlessness and usurping the role of the legislature. In suspending him, the governor cited two statements Warren had signed, along with district attorneys from across the country, pledging to refrain from prosecuting people who seek or provide abortions. The other statement condemned laws that criminalize some transgender care. So far, Florida has no such law on the books. Warren said he has a right to take a public stand on issues and that the governor is interfering with the will of the voters and the First Amendment. I work for the people of Hillsborough County. That's who I've always worked for, the people who elected me because they shared my vision of criminal justice, they trusted my judgment, and then they re-elected me because they saw the results. And let's talk about the results for a minute. Hillsborough County has the lowest crime rate of any county in the Tampa Bay area, the lowest crime rate of any major county in Florida. Our crime rate has gone down nearly 30% over the last five years. I mean, these are the facts. So when the governor is saying things about the job I did or didn't do, that's not what this is about. This is about what I said, not about the job that I did as state attorney. Adam, let's go to you first. Is the governor infringing on Andrew Warren's free speech rights? Well, certainly we're, uh, this governor is testing a lot of new limits across the board. You know, you go back to the, the Disney case, you see how that turned out for Walt Disney uh, when their numbers went you know, catapulting from American icon down to earth. Uh, I think what you see here is going to be a test of whether or not people feel when someone raises their hand and takes an oath of office to do something and they don't do that or are perceived not to do that or are unwilling to do that. Uh, what are the ramifications of that? What is the recourse the public has? And you know, in this case, it's going to be more about reputation than it is about the law, I think, uh, at least short term. You see that Andrew Warren has not only lawyered up, he has PR'd up. Uh, as he's gotten a lot of uh, help around that piece of it, as he knows that the court of public opinion 
that will judge the narrative. And right now, the narrative, I have to say, uh, Rob, is whether or not Andrew Warren, uh, who swore to uphold law and order, is essentially salt on crime and law and order. And because of that, is that enough of an offense to remove him from office? I, I think that's a narrative that he's going to have to fight and try to win, because if not, he's going to turn kind of momentary fame into infamy. And I think, of course, his chances of prevailing in the state Senate, much less the courts, are not promising. Well, uh, Andrew's War Andrew Warren says that crime is lower in Hillsborough County than the surrounding counties. But Shelley, I want to ask you, uh, what specifically did Andrew Warren do? Did, was it was not it a, a thing? <laughs> not a thing. He's been suspended or removed from office for what he said, for talking about policies that he disagrees with Governor DeSantis on. He hasn't done anything. No cases have been brought to his office of, uh, you know, by law enforcement seeking to prosecute a woman or a physician for an abortion-related crime. Uh, no cases. There isn't even a law on the books to bring a case to his office on the issue of transgender medical care. So he's done nothing. This is strictly about, this is, this is political theater because he has spoken out and disagreed with policies of the governor and the Republican legislature. And this is raw power on DeSantis's part. Uh, Tramiel, I want to play a commercial that the governor's running. And uh, let's put it up right now. The governor's running on a platform of freedom. And this, let's play this and then I want to get your comment about it. We make decisions based on facts, not fear. But some want to take it all away. We cannot stop fighting. This November, let's show the world freedom is here to stay. So that is essentially the governor's campaign for re-election, Trammell. And the governor says, look, I, I brought uh, freedom from masks. I opened up the state. And now I'm going after uh, attorneys like Andrew Warren who's not following what I would like him to do. But on the other side, you've got people that say, look, the governor's interfering with the teaching of history. He's interfering with what teachers can say to their classrooms. Uh, he's, he's interfering with a woman's right to choose. This issue of freedom, how, how does it look to you there in Tallahassee? It's a good campaign ad, and it, it and it and it speaks to his base um, that he is offering freedom, like you know, throughout the COVID um, pandemic, that he refused to lock down the state and allow people to move around. But that freedom has limits, um, as we're seeing in Mr. Warren's case. Like if you cross the governor, he <laughs> he he tries to take your freedom, and um, with his case ongoing, um, legal experts expect. Warren to prevail on the First Amendment um, standpoint because, as mentioned earlier, um, he uh, and Warren has claimed it's it's only he made a pledge um, and that's protected speech. Um, there are no cases before him, so he was basically just expressing his opinion. And what we're seeing here with the governor is like you know if you uh, express an opinion against the governor's will and he does not like dissent. Mitch, uh, the governor looks to have a favorable, I'm sorry, uh, Andrew Warren looks to have a favorable judge uh, in the federal courts in Tallahassee where he's filed the lawsuit. But then people say when you get to the 11th Circuit right. Court of Appeals in Atlanta, it doesn't look so good for Andrew Warren. But as, as Tremell just said, this issue of free speech may, may work at least on the first court level. Yeah, who can predict that? Um, obviously, it was better for Andrew Warren seemingly to go to the courts, the federal courts, than to the Republican-led state Senate. Uh, 
This is an explosive story, and I still, you know, thinking about this, I was at the press conference 15 days ago when this happened, and, you know, it was pretty stunning. And, look, there are these uh, progressive DAs, state attorneys around the country that have gotten a lot of attention for maybe being, as, as Adam would say, soft on crime. We're talking about the DA in San Francisco, Boudin, who was uh, thrown out of office, Gascon in Los Angeles, who almost was, Alvin Bragg in New York. Andrew Warren, does he really, is he in that category? I don't believe he is, but he's the closest one in Florida, and he's the one so Governor DeSantis can make a statement. I, I think the governor likes to get, kind of almost like nationalize or federalize a lot of events that are going on in other states that he wants to bring home here. Uh, it works for him. He's been very successful. Again, Adam mentioned Disney, and uh, Governor DeSantis has done things that no other Republican governor has done and been, quote-unquote, winning on these. Does he Has he gone too far on this one? We'll have to watch and see how it plays out. Andrew Warren is being, I think, really effective in, in making a lot of, uh, you know, being on communications, being on cable news every day, making his fight to the public. And I think if he doesn't prevail in, uh, in the courts, he may just come back and run again in 2024. Hmm. Uh, uh, Adam, I got to ask you, does the governor deserve the freedom moniker if, you know, if he's taking away Andrew Warren's free speech, as Andrew Warren claims, if he's taking away Disney's free speech, as Disney claims, does the governor deserve the freedom moniker? Well, of course, that's that's your interpretation of it, that he's taking away their freedom. You know, it's it's let's comment on the ad. I'm an ad maker. I can't help it, right? It's television. Uh, when he talks about freedom, and I, I think about the recent ad from the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who was basically, his message to, to anyone who will listen is, you know, look what they're doing in Florida. They're depriving you of your freedom. Come to California. Well, the numbers say it isn't working. For the first time in history, there's been an out-migration of people from California. Uh, last year, over 300,000 people moved into the state of Florida. They feel something, uh, Rob, they, they understand something that is beyond all the rhetoric, which is freedom means the ability to have opportunities in Florida that you can't have in most other places, perceptionally, at least in the country. Uh, and they're, they're, they're voicing that opinion, not in political polls, they're voicing that with their feet and moving into the state. So I think this is a winner, frankly, uh, for the governor overall because of the Florida story, which is the biggest story, I think, of the 2022 uh, campaign season in Florida itself. Yeah, all right, Shelley, let me give you the last word on this Thanks. question of freedom. Yeah, because I've got two things I want to point out. Number one, just yesterday in Tallahassee, Governor DeSantis was struck down on his stop woke law insofar as it purported to restrict the speech of private businesses as to what they could talk to their own employees about with regard to race and gender, diversity, equity, and inclusion. That his law, Stop Woke as it applied to business, was struck down on First Amendment grounds. So I think that Andrew is on very strong uh, ground going into his litigation and claiming a violation of his First Amendment rights. That's number one. Legally, I think he's on strong ground. Number two, lost in this discussion is the voters. The voters of Hillsborough County who elected Andrew Warren, 370,000 of them elected Andrew Warren. That's almost twice as many voters that as the voters who voted for DeSantis in his election. 370 for Andrew Warren when he was re-elected and uh, uh, 235,000 for DeSantis in his last election in Hillsborough County. 
All of those voters have been disenfranchised. They chose Andrew Warren, who was very transparent about his position on these issues and his policies, and they chose him. They elected him, and now the government gov governors come in and bigfooted and say, no, your vote doesn't count, and I think that's deplorable. Okay, we're going to talk more about Andrew Warren and this whole question of Governor DeSantis and freedom uh, in the coming weeks. So we're going to go on to our next story. Primary election day is this coming Tuesday with the marquee race on the Democratic side, the race for governor between former governor Charlie Crist and Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed. In the last few weeks, Freed's ads have attacked Crist for decisions and stances he took when he was in office as a Republican. Freed and her supporters have been pounding Crist for being anti-abortion and for positions he took as governor, attorney general, and while in the state legislature. Want to know the difference between me and Charlie Crist? It's not just that I'm pro-choice and he's pro-life. Look at our records on criminal justice. While I was a public defender fighting to keep innocent Floridians out of jails like this, he was passing mandatory minimums during the racist war on drugs. People are still in jail today because of it. Christ is firing back, attacking Freed for previously supporting Republicans. Charlie Crist campaigned for Barack Obama. Nikki Freed campaigned for Florida Republicans. When Christ was working to elect pro-choice Democratic women, Freed was calling for Hillary Clinton to be arrested and was close pals with accused sex trafficker Matt Gates. So, Mitch, those are pretty tough ads. Is Freed going to gain any traction by attacking uh, Chris on issues like abortion or mandatory minimums? Well, I think it was a very effective ad that you showed there. Um, it is part of Charlie's record. And on abortion rights itself, she has definitely been really pushing. I think anybody who watches these ads sees that. Whether it makes a difference, well, look, there was this University of North Florida poll this week. Some call it an outlier that actually has her leading. Whether that's true or not, there is a feeling, a perception that she's gaining on Charlie Crist, who has basically been the favorite throughout the whole campaign cycle. Um, and now that you're really appealing to primary voters, Charlie's GOP past is is there. I mean, it's, it's a legitimate thing to look at. And on abortion rights, which again, since Roe v. Wade came down, has been a, uh, it's a huge issue, right, obviously. And it makes so, so much sense for her to use that as a cudgel against him. And we'll just have to see. I really think this is going to be a close race on Tuesday night in a way that we haven't seen a two-person Democratic primary in two decades when Bill McBride beat Janet Reno and it took a week to decide that. Yeah. All right. So, Tramel, what do you think? Uh, Charlie Chris has been out of the statewide spotlight for a while. Do you think those free dads are effective? Um, I, I think it's gaining traction and it's working. And you're seeing, like when you're watching Twitter, um, the, the, the criticism from um, fellow Democrats uh, against Nikki Freed for bringing up those issues. Um, folks complain in the threads about the infighting, hoping that, you know, they would both settle down and, 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 and like, you know, cool the temperatures to, to work together. So um, when you see that back and forth online, you're seeing that how it is gaining traction uh, for um, former governor charlie christ it's 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 his past will be there it will always be there to haunt him and it's on him to show the people um democrats that he is no longer republican and that's something that's working for freed and being able to call that out at every turn and shelly do you think that with the importance of women voters this year and the abortion issue being in the background to all the races both the august uh, primary and the and the general election that Freed's ads might be effective. 
Well, they might be. It is going to be a Rovember in November. We are looking forward to that. But I, I also want to point out that at the same time, there's been a lot of press about the fact that uh, Nikki Fried is losing some progressives because she's been taking GOP PAC money and she's been uh, taking dark money uh, for her campaign. And some of the progressive clubs around the state have actually unendorsed her because of that information that's come out. And also so for being soft on big ag, on big agriculture, big sugar, uh, big sugar in particular, yeah, because uh, the local citizens in the places where sugar is burned, you know, are primarily, primarily minority, low-income people, and she hasn't done enough for them, according to reports out of the Palm Beach Post, for example. Um, and so, you know, I think that she she has some things that voters are concerned about as well. And she's taking money from Florida Power and Light. Too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. All right. So, uh, Adam, you're you're you have done TV ads, really good ads for years. Do you think that that freed ad is going to help her? I, I actually, I think both ads were very effective. Uh, but I think that the die was cast. You know, Charlie's Achilles heel was always going to be he wasn't always a Democrat, and that was going to come back to haunt him. Uh, but he started with a big base, especially in the Southeast. Um, the UNF poll you cited, uh, no offense to the UNF, but they called it wrong in the presidential in 16, the gubernatorial in 18, and the presidential in 20. So I think it's an outlier. Most of the polls are showing that Charlie is likely to win. The problem for both them, the problem for both of them, is what is their winning message in the fall? In the, in the primary, I understand it, because abortion and guns, uh, is pretty much near at the top of the chart for Democrats in the primary. What do they have as a message against the sitting governor that isn't Andrew Warren fighting for his reputation? Uh, that is where they're struggling. And some of the bitterness, I think, they've, they now you now see in the primary, psychologically, I think, was created by the festering idea that they hear all the time. It almost doesn't matter which one's going to win because the governor is headed for re-election. All right. Well, state courts in North Florida are blocking a 16-year-old from having an abortion. A state appellate court this week upheld a lower court decision that a parentless 16-year-old girl in the Florida panhandle was not sufficiently mature to end her pregnancy. The girl had sought a waiver from the state law requiring that minors first get parental consent for an abortion. The teen, only known as Jane Doe, had told the lower court that she wasn't ready to have a baby, that she didn't have a job, and the father was unable to assist her. She was pursuing a GED and living with a relative. The teen also told the lower court that her appointed guardian was fine with her decision to have an abortion, but the juvenile court judge in Pensacola found that the teen did not adequately articulate her request, forcing the teen to take additional time to appeal. At the time of the lower court ruling, the teenager was already 10 weeks pregnant, and a new Florida law prohibits abortions after 15 weeks. Shelley, what does it mean for the judge to say the 16-year-old is too immature to have an abortion? No one knows. Apparently, the judge felt that she was mature enough to bear and potentially raise a child, which is, is outrageous. This has to stop. Floridians, like most 
ma the majority of people around the country want and deserve the right to make their own reprodu reproductive health decisions themselves with their physicians and with their family and with their spiritual advisors and without political interference. I do have a lot of questions about this particular case though because in this judicial bypass procedure according to the report from or the decision of the uh, appeals court she had a legal guardian who said she was fine with this uh, teen's decision and if the le if she had a legal guardian generally they are uh, empowered with the um, authority to make medical decisions for the the wards of the state that they are the guardians for so I don't even understand why this particular case was in court and maybe we would know more about that if the teen had been given a lawyer she hadn't she had not been given a lawyer for again reasons we don't understand here in Hillsborough County for example if a teen goes to the court and seeks uh, permission to receive uh, abortion services she's given a bypass lawyer and they're trained to take up these issues with the court so part of the problem here is that the courts are not really equipped to be making these decisions and and particularly in this Escambia County case where there was no lawyer uh, to flesh out these issues for her also what did the judge mean the lower court judge mean when she said she could come back to the court again and re-raise this issue because she was 10 weeks pregnant right. when she went before the court which means that by the time the appeal was done it's possible that she would have exceeded the 15-week mm -hmm. abortion ban and then if she even was able to receive an abortion it would have to be a surgical abortion which is so much more dangerous than a chemical abortion which she could have received when she was 10 weeks pregnant. Mitch? Yeah the clock is ticking on this because I believe now she's 11 weeks pregnant right now and as you mentioned Shelley there's the 15-week a law now in place so this could be a situation where she has to go out of state to get an abortion because I think that we're going to continue to follow the story and it's a real one we all heard the story about the, the young girl in Ohio and I think this is our own example of it here in Florida and it's happening in real time and uh, Adam I've heard uh, conservatives say what should happen is that this girl uh, even though she's 16 she should she ought to carry the baby to to turn to birth rather and then uh, give the baby up for adoption well, you know, this you're going right into the, the great divide on abortion, right? And your views on that. And everyone has very decided you know, opinions about pro-life versus pro-choice. Uh, this is a difficult case. Uh, you really feel for everyone involved, including the, the judge uh, up in the panhandle, uh, who you know showed, according to the appellate court, great compassion and understanding and, and trying to, to deliver a verdict uh, that was fair and just. Uh, that is built on law that, you know, parental consent parental no or and or notification is in play in 36 states in the country. So if anything, Rob, I think if anything comes out of this, it may be for uh, us and other states to kind of review those laws to make sure they still hold muster uh, in today's world versus when they were first passed. But that's the majority of America that passed those laws, and, and that's why this case is frankly no surprise. And, and what do you do if there are no parents around? That's mm -hmm. a big question. Well, there are lots of important races on the ballot this Tuesday. Some involve candidates for school board. There are some other statewide races to be decided. There are important congressional primaries, county commission races, and local referenda. So I've asked our panel members to discuss a race or issue that perhaps has not drawn enough attention. It's difficult because our signal here at WEDU reach, reaches 16 counties. But Tremel, let's start with you. Tell us about a race or an issue that's going on that's important that we haven't talked about. 
Well, there's so many, but one thing that I will throw out there that um, I, I always like, you know, it always shines off a light in my head is seeing law enforcement um, being used in, 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 in the backdrop of um, political rhetoric, whether it's by the governor or others at press conferences, you're seeing our decorated law enforcement officers um, being flanked and supported by highly charged speech. And it always brings a concern for those, this diverse community that they're in charge of protecting. How do other segments of the popula population feel about seeing um, those who are supposed to protect all um, be being used and being behind um, very charged speech? So that's something that's always there. And I, I, I hope to see that, you know, these law enforcement agencies um, take a step back and really assess how things look on on, on the front end from from individuals um, when they stand behind these press conferences. It's, happening, it's happening more and more. Adam, tell us about a race or an issue, uh, especially on the ballot on Tuesday. Congressional District 15, uh, where uh, in the primary, Republican primary, Laurel Lee is facing off against four combatants, but primarily two. Uh, Kelly Stargell, uh, the former legislator and uh, current legislator, and uh, Jackie Toledo, both all very qualified. But this is where I think resume counts. Laurel Lee is a former prosecutor, a former judge, secretary of state. She has, you know, the DeSantis perimeter also having served as secretary of state under the governor. To me, she reminds me a little bit, I'm not trying to project her future, of Nikki uh, Haley. Uh, Nikki Haley uh, from South Carolina, the former governor, who was the ambassador of the United Nations under Donald Trump, who has a very, a very clearly charted her own path, but with somewhat the blessing of the, the Trump you know, uh, supporters out there. I think that Laurel Lee is that kind of uh, elected, potentially elected leader here, who is going to have the, the support of Governor DeSantis. Uh, at the same time, she very much, as she always has, is going to chart her own way, her own path, on behalf of the people she represents. All right, Mitch, your other race. Yeah, education is on the ballot like it never has been before this August. Uh, we know Governor DeSantis has endorsed over two dozen candidates and financially supporting some of them. In turn, the Florida Democratic Party has now endorsed some of their candidates. And here in Hillsborough County, there's gonna be two races where DeSantis has one candidate and the FDP has another. And bigger than that, um, two big property tax referendums in Pasco County and Hillsborough County for the schools that would uh, provide more money for salaries for teachers and other events. All right, and Shelley? Well, I want to bounce off what Tramel said. Yesterday, uh, Governor DeSantis had a press conference in Broward County decrying voter fraud, uh, giving an opportunity to Pete Antonacci to tout his election police force, and he was uh, flanked by a phalanx of law enforcement officers like Tramel alluded to. Make no mistake, this was a voter suppression event. This was intended to send a message to uh, diverse and minority communities to be scared about casting your vote because those people who tried to vote, they, many of them, uh, and even Jeff Brandis, former state senator Jeff Brandis, tweeted about this earlier today, uh, many of them had tried to find out if they were eligible to vote. They were told they were eligible to vote. Some of them tried to find out if they had completely paid their fines and fees, um, which the state makes impossible to research. And so I think it's important to note that this was a voter suppression event. Also, it was in the five counties that are democratically controlled counties that with Democratic voter majorities and at least in, in so far as Hillsborough is concerned, a Democratic supervisor of elections who I hope we wrap in bubble wrap right now because I believe the governor was sending a message that he can 
come for you too. All right, well, thank you all for a great conversation. Thanks for being part of the program. And thank you for joining us. Send us your comments at ftw.wedu.org. You can view this and past shows online at wedu.org or on the PBS app. And Florida This Week is now available as a podcast. The next election is this Tuesday, August 23rd. Don't forget to vote. And from all of us here at WEDU, have a great weekend. Florida This Week is a production of WEDU, who is solely responsible for its content.